0: hello you're listening to the mr money podcast mr money Jar here this episode is taken from an instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety this means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format for example there might be references to questions that appeared during the live plus some audience interaction and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps thanks for listening and i hope you enjoyed the show Welcome to episode 40, what are we on? 43 of the Mr. Money Jar Show. And today we're going to be speaking to Matt Megan's, the founder and CEO of Hyperjar about how to build good financial habits and um, really looking forward to today's conversation because I think that money is a, an area where you can kind of leave a lot of things to chance or um, just kind of allow things to happen. And um, I think when you're on that financial journey, you do get to a point where you realize that you need to be intentional with your actions and building good behaviors. So it'll be great to speak with him and maybe we'll learn a couple things or two. Great to see everyone in the comments. Hey, uh, L Saves, Jumbo Jets, CV Interact, Matthew Hagan, good to see you. Good to see you, the Money Monkey UK. That's a great, <laughs> that's a great name. Hope everyone is enjoying the sunshine and is located somewhere where um, there is good weather. It's like high teens today in London. TB today has sent a request to be in your live. Apologies, um, we're, we're waiting on uh, on Hyperjar. Um, whilst we wait for Matt to join, it be interesting to get a sense from you guys, are there any financial habits that you, uh, you want to start building that you've been thinking about that, but that you haven't? This could be starting a, a regular savings habit, investing for the first time. Um, maybe it's that morning coffee or lunchtime coffee that you just can't uh, live without and you'd like to control your spending a bit. Because when I think back... Um, I used to have, when I used to um, work in in central London, I used to have uh, a wasabi habit. I would like spend um, like upwards of like five pounds on lunch um, quite a few times in the week. And you look back at your bank statements, and that's that's an amount of money that can really begin to to add up. Danjo Witzka, I need to start saving for a deposit on a house yeah so that's something that's not just gonna happen right you need to uh you need to actually set aside the money and uh and uh be intentional about that. Let me see if I can add Hyperjar in. Oh, hey, Matt.
1: Hey, hello. I, I was told that you had invited me. I hadn't seen anything until just right now. So all right.
0: Cool. cool. No worries. No worries. How are you doing today? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very good. Very good. Um, this is the first live I'm doing all year. where I've not had to have the lights on because the clocks have gone forward and yeah, the sun is uh, nice coming nice. through the window. So I'm very happy. Yeah, beautiful
1: day. It's sort of
0: hopefully it's a sign of things to come in terms of life in general. Absolutely. Let's dive straight in, though. The people at home, do introduce yourself and tell us about what you do.
1: Sure. So my name is Matt. I'm the CEO and founder of HyperJar. HyperJar is a, a money management app. We think it's the best money, man, money management app um, available around anywhere, and we do some things very different from any other money management app, and which we can talk about. But in a sense, in in, in essence, we try to encourage people to plan, incentivize people to plan, and do so in a way that fits within your life and most people's lives are not you know a singular thing just with yourself most people's lives involve other people so we create tools to help people spend their money and save the money within groups and within yourself and um but that's sort of what we are that's what we're about we try to discourage use of um debt for consumption encourage people to not be impulsive and just you know get on top of their money in a way that it's very active and not passive so yeah so i'm the i said the founder of this my background is engineering and banking. So that has sort of comes into, I guess, the origins of the product, and, but now we're, we're live and we have about 40 or so employees. So it's a, it's a growing company and, All right. so, yeah, and we cool. have about 20,000 customers, but we're gonna be scaling this up quite drastically. So we're hoping to be a, you know, a, quite a big brand, quite a big name through, the, through 2021. So we're looking to really grow this year quite dramatically.
0: Okay, and where did the concept of jars come from? Is it literally from being a kid and saving coins into different jars? Someone uh, someone noted in um, my announcement post for this episode that this is almost like a, a battle of the jars. thing as, as we share we share a name.
1: Yeah, it's so it's the, the original idea came. The original idea for the business was related to a problem where you had people with savings earning almost no interest. So if you have a, if you're a saver, bank accounts pay pay almost no interest. And on the flip side, you have companies like supermarkets who fund their business by paying their suppliers late and those suppliers have to get money from the bank. So I thought, wouldn't it be nice if people could pay directly to this, to the places they shop at and then that shop could pay their suppliers early. So So that original idea was sort of the concept for HyperJar, but then we, we thought how do we turn this into a product and then we thought well people need to somehow organize their money and yeah and exactly to that point as a kid i remember so I, i'm big the basketball i wanted to save up to buy a basketball fiberglass backboard for my yards and I had a jar i put coins in it and money in it and um so that was the analogy i like to have it's like if we can somehow make digital versions of jars to help people trouble. help people save and plan and then that can be Basically, yeah, it's something to relate to, to make it visual, to make it easier to save in this day and age, which is very digital.
0: Sure. And that's, let's, that's a great segue, um, the story about being a kid and stuff. Um, there's a very famous study in the UK, um, Cambridge University and the Money Advice Service did the study, and they found that children's uh, our, our financial habits as adults are, are bedded in as early as age seven. So my first question around financial habits is how early on did you start to build in financial habits and um, if you have a family now what sorts of things are you doing to um, pass that on so for me as a child so i think i was was fairly fortunate
1: in that my parents were they were very conscious of, of money and of trying to be good with money they were very scared of debt my dad was sort of raised during the depression. So he was born during the depression, lived through the war, which I think people in my age, a lot of people had that experience for their parents. So he was just very scared of debt. So when I was raised, it was always a sense of, don't use debt, just stay away from debt. So I always had this fear of of debt. Now, I didn't really understand it, really didn't really know much, I just knew to try and stay away from debt. But as I think about maybe eight years old, um, I I was born in Canada, raised in Canada. We had an account at the credit union, and I got a little book. So a little book where my parents would put my allowance, they called pocket money, we call it allowance in Canada. They, sure. they give me my allowance. I was never allowed to spend it. So they gave it to me, but it went directly into my credit union bank account. And we'd go there and deposit it. And I would get a little printout and show me how what my balance is. And I do remember looking at my book and seeing how much my balance is growing. So from a, from a very young age. So I had this lesson about saving from a very young age. But the one thing is I would say I was never allowed to spend it. So I was able to save it, save it, save it. If I wanted to buy a magazine. I wasn't even allowed to buy a magazine. And on the flip side, but maybe get into that, but I learned some good savings tools, but didn't learn very good spending tools. So then when I did get money, I wanted to spend it, because I didn't have that, uh, that, uh, that chance. So coming to now, so I'm a father. I have four children. My oldest is 12. So she's now definitely at an age where she has a bit of financial independence. Sure. And I've made a, made a point, you know, so they're using HyperJar, so HyperJar has a kid's card. I made a point that they need to save and they need to have goals, but they also need to have some autonomy to be able to spend and be able to spend poorly because the best way to learn is to learn by experience, make some mistakes, but hopefully those mistakes aren't big mistakes. And then that way, that's the best way to learn. So I think you start at a young age though, like four or five years old, as soon as your child can start to understand numbers, They can start to understand about about money, understand the value of of your earning money, of saving money, how you can buy things. But if you buy things straight away, you may not be able to buy something that's nicer. So you have to think about if I want to wait longer to get something that's nicer. Those lessons you can start to give to children, I believe, at a very young age.
0: Yeah, no. so this study that I referred to, um, it was children had a concept. I I hope I'm remembering this correctly, had a concept of, you know, now versus the future by age seven. But what they didn't have was a concept of luxuries versus necessities. Because I guess you're young, if you have a roof over your head and you're eating, you're generally quite happy. Like you'll play with a cardboard box or like pretend and and stuff. That's really cool. So just to dig into that a bit more then, um, my memories of growing up as a child and developing financial habits early on revolved around the physical use of money, playing games like Monopoly, which never ended by the way, someone always flipped the table or something. <laughs> um, do you think that um, building financial habits for, for the next generation is a digital um, first activity? Are we just sort of moving away from cash and actually in the future, it's about knowing how to move stuff on screens on apps using computer software would be quite interested to know
1: yeah i believe that that trend is it's happening it's happening aggressively it's because of COVID. it's happening even faster than it was a year ago so i think it's a bit unfortunate but i do think everything is moving almost purely digital now um that said i do i think that there's obviously a lot it's very much easier for a child to understand physical things so if you see physical money, it's much easier for them to understand that. This whole digital world with numbers, it's its very abstract and it's very difficult. So for me, for my children, obviously money, physical money still exists. So I definitely make a point to give them at certain points, physical money, to show them how the different money works and how it adds up. And when you spend it, some of it goes away. So it feels more painful when that money disappears, which is by, by the way, a problem for society because when it's everything's contactless and digital, it's less you know, it doesn't feel as painful when you spend it. Whereas if you had a hundred pound note and you spend you it.
0: Physically give it over. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It hurts a bit more, right. Cause you gotta give that hundred pound note and now it's going to be you know, smaller. So one thing that HyperJar is doing, so we have a kids app coming soon. We are going to provide a, a, a almost like a, a visual description of physical money. So if you have, if you're a child and you have 25 pounds, it would show a 20 pound note and a five pound note. And that way when you spend it again, that note disappears. So like, like digital assets, that disappear so so i do believe it is going digital i do believe we're going to have it's going to be a bit of a challenge to try and teach children about finances um so they can understand it but obviously once you get to a certain age you know people can learn anything but at that early age you have to still use whether it's games like monopoly or whether it's toys i think that will always be around and i hope that always is always is something you never know how trends change and everything becomes totally digital but even yeah. digital games can still show you know, notes, because at the end of the day, it represents something. So I still believe there will always be some kind of graphical representation, at least of money, if it's not in my hand, at least maybe on an iPad, I can show a, a picture of it. And I think but I do believe it's going to move more and more to that. It's almost inevitable.
0: Sure. Yes, um, I, I do. I do agree that you can still get the job done with digital. When I think about some of the other fintechs, of course, HyperJar uses jars, but you've got, you know, vaults, spaces, pots elsewhere. It's a similar kind of idea. You're not actually moving the money into something uh, separate, but the software makes you feel like you are. And therefore, you're learning the same lessons, which is cool. Let me just uh, dip into the comments quickly to see what people are saying. Uh, So Jembo Jet says, uh, how many of you know about getting a second mortgage and renting a property out? So Gemma, that isn't the topic for today's live, but either drop me a DM or have a look out for future episodes. We'll be covering property. I promise. Um, Miss Personal Finance says reduced stock, little spends, like getting a chocolate. It all adds up. Definitely had um, quite an expensive lunch buying habit earlier on. And I also had a very expensive Uber habit as well, which I've now replaced with Santander cycles. Um, Matt, Matthew J. Higgin, when are you going to get that verified tick? Soon come, Matthew, soon come. Um, just scrolling through. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Um, TB Today says, I think that's a really good point, teaching kids to spend as well as save. I'm um, Just coming back to when you're talking about what you do with your kids, Matt. And never taught in schools. It's essential to teach the right balance. Absolutely, completely agree. Um, cool. So moving on with the conversation then, Matt. What, what three financial habits do you have that you can't live without and that can be as broad or as specific as you like?
1: Um, So say three habits. So one is I try to be very active with my saving, with my plan. So what I mean with that is I try to actually have a strong sense of what I want to do with my, with my savings, with my goals and almost weekly assess it versus yeah because so here's another point so to me with savings say people often confuse savings for like a long-term goal whether it's say retirement and that's like there's gonna be one flow eventually i'm gonna spend it on retirement or maybe for something like a house so again many many years to get down payment for a house um the philosophy at Hyperjar is saving should be a very dynamic activity you can save for almost anything right you're saving for your grocery your grocery your weekly grocery budget I view savings as a constant dynamic activity amongst the whole spectrum from short term to long term and by having that attitude having that mindset you're always just conscious of it and then by having that mindset you try not to be impulsive and you try to make sure that there's some element of planning so um so yeah so that's maybe a couple of concepts in there but very active and view savings as a spectrum from short term to long term and that way i said that, that becomes weekly then i'm not assessing my you know, my retirement things weekly necessarily, but I am assessing my, you know, my groceries. I'm looking at what I spent and what my wife spent. And um, yeah. so, yeah, so it's, so it's that, that spectrum. The second thing is, it's one thing that I think is very important is saving is it's almost inevitably social. So for me, I'm married, I have children, and it's impossible for me to save, or be on top of my saving if my wife isn't. And that has always been a struggle for me. And one reason why, we create some features in HyperJar was to solve a problem that I had, whereas to try and get me and my wife in sync with our savings goals. And so we have this concept called shared jars, which we can both create a jar that we can both put money into and both spend from. And I can see when she spends from it, but I can do a specific jar, like just for groceries or just for going out or, you know, there's different topics. It's not like a joint account where it's everything because again, it becomes this big mash of, of transactions by having sure. very specific goals with my wife, we can actually now get a handle of how much are we spending on groceries and when I spend versus when she spends, how do we compare? And it's very easy to make that kind of assessment, and that then allows us to actually achieve our goals because we're now in sync. Um, and see, a third one is it's um, it's I like to visualize. So for me, when I do have my goals. And that's what the whole concept of the jar is like to sort of visualize it and see it somehow. So if I, if it's too abstract, then it's sort of harder for me to try to reach that. So if, whether I visualize it, whether it's saving up for something and have like a picture of it or have some kind of sense of it, or whether it's simple as, you know, you, know, you can have your spreadsheet and you sort of see your, your columns laid out and get a bit more visual. Or again, obviously with our system, you have the jars, like, like, the simple, like pots or vaults. But try to visualize it, because in that way it's always something that I always see, and it's also not intimidating. It's something that I almost confront daily. Try not to make it something that I don't. I'm afraid to not afraid to look at it. If I'm, if I don't like it, I got to confront it. Because if I don't confront it, I'm not gonna get on top of it. So that visualization makes sort of makes me face the music, so to speak, and hopefully I then encourage to stay on top of things and not have a you know a bad day or a bad week. Or if I do and get back on track
0: yeah and of course you do and become what you think about most of the time so having that visual reminder there uh, most definitely helps last week I read um, everything is Outable by Marie Folio, and there was a stat in there that said that if you write your goals down it makes you almost was 42% more likely to achieve them mm-hmm. um, I don't know where that um, specific percentage comes from off the top of my head but you would imagine that visualizing something helps to bring it into reality um, more so than than not, because of the uh, intentionality aspect I was speaking about at the start of the episode. So um, those are your top three goals. How do you make them stick though? Because there might be people watching this, listening to this, who go, you know, I want to start a monthly savings habit or I want to start a budget. I have the spreadsheet. I have the app. I check it once. And then I just never check it again. You know, I just, either don't feel motivated to, or I forget. So how do you make your habits stick?
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, a very important question, and it's a, it's a, it's a struggle for most people. Um, and the thing is, I like, to, I like to use analogies from the fitness world. So I'm into fitness, and there's a lot of great techniques and lessons from the fitness world that the financial world, I think, needs to, to learn from. Um, but one of them is, you know, the, again, similar to that concept you made, but there's a certain amount of time, for example, if you're working out or creating a new habit, or you have to stick with it, to have it, you know, maintain. And for fitness, for example, those first few weeks, if you're trying to do something, you may not see the results, you might get discouraged, you might quit. And people always say, just stick it out for, I guess roughly 40 days. Stick it out for 40 days, um, because it's gonna be frustrating, but if you stick it out for 40 days, by the time you get to 40 days, you'll then get into that habits, and you'll see, start to see some results, but you also feel good and you'll, you'll stick with it. So I think finance is a, a similar thing where you have to come up with some kind of initial target but it can't be too big it can't be oh yeah i'm going to save up for this mortgage i'm going to have no more debt and save up for this depending on your situation right but it can't be this ambitious thing like the perfect goal because the odds of you hitting the perfect goal just like that are almost nil and you'll get discouraged and you'll quit so the first thing is you have to set some small
0: achievable goal yeah and sometimes sorry to jump in there matt but sometimes ridiculously small
1: yeah exactly i can say to people
0: If you want to start saving 10% of your salary, which for some people is doable and some people is not, save like a quid or like a fiver, literally just take it, put it into a jar or whatever receptacle, and like that's actual saving of money and then just increase it over time. You know, you don't need to be all the way at the end, you know, when you first start out. Sorry to just jump in there. No, but
1: that's exactly right. Cause that's an important point. Cause again, for fitness, often people will, you know, New, Year's Eve, New Year's will come and they'll have this, they am going to work out an hour a day, join the gym, hour a day, seven days a week, I'm going to have a perfect diet and, you know, after two days all of a sudden, you know, you burn out. Whereas if you could say, I'm going to try to walk for 10 minutes a day, it depends, again, it depends where you're starting that, but walk for 10 minutes a day, five minutes a day, but I can do it every day. I'm going to walk every single day, no matter what. If it's 10 p.m., I'm going to walk for those 10 minutes. And that way, you actually can achieve it and get the sense yep. of achievement. And once you achieve that, you can increase it. So with money, exact same thing, as you said, it's have a really small achievable goal, but you have to start with something. But that's the whole point, have one very simple small goal. And it could be as simple as, I'm gonna see what I spend on groceries every week and then and know it. So if someone asked me, I can say, I spent this much on groceries. So I'm gonna be on top of how much I spend. I'm just gonna, for this month, I'm gonna be on top of how much I spend. So that if anyone asked me, like it was a quiz, I'd be the expert, I could tell how much I spent. So start with just knowing how much you spent. That's a goal. Because once you know that, you start to say, oh, I didn't really realize I spent this much, and now I'm going to maybe try to spend less next month, for example. But you sort of set that initial goal, set a time frame. should be about four to six weeks. But just commit yourself to sticking to that. But start with that one, that single one. And what you'll find is if you stick to that one, which you should be able to, you'll find that you want to add to it. Because you'll feel good. It'll feel... There'd be some positive outcome from that because if it's something with finance you're going to be well it could even be simple as if i want to buy something i'm going to make myself wait 12 hours before i buy it no sure what, make me wait 12 hours you make six hours if you're normally impulsive again and just sort of say that case no doesn't mean i can't have it but i'm gonna wait whatever it is six hours 12 hours 24 hours and you can make that little rule doesn't mean i don't buy it i'm just gonna wait before i decide to buy it and what you'll find is you'll maybe have less of an urge to buy it, and then when you won't buy it, I and mean, you'll be like, ah, you know what? I don't miss that. And I don't feel so bad. And again, you'll start to stick to it a bit more because you're getting some results. So yes, very small goal, set a time frame, stick to it, and then the rest will start to happen. And yeah. that's when you have to start you know, following people like you to get more tips and you start to get a bit addicted to the process.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you build the momentum and the virtuous cycle because the key thing with habits is habits are developed invisibly. And what you do when you start with this ridiculously small goal of walking five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, saving five pounds in a month is you're teaching yourself that you can do stuff. And you're reinforcing that behavior. If you were to go into your kitchen, for example, and swap, I don't know, the cereal drawer with the uh, plate drawer. It's very possible that you go in the next day to um, get some cereal and go into the old drawer. But that's because you've invisibly been learning where that stuff is in your kitchen. It's not that you intentionally Mm -hmm. uh, tried to do that. So getting up and walking for five minutes every day, you're actually teaching yourself to get up, put on your stuff, leave the house. And that's the important bit. Then you can scale it up to whatever uh, level you want to. I'm just going to dip into a few of the comments people have been commenting as we've been talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so finance reboot says, um, so true. Should have done that with my kids using cash. When they ask me for money, it magically appears in their account. Yeah. So finance reboot, maybe the, yeah, the, the takeaway is that you need to have some sort of visual element if you're dealing with uh, cashless or, or online money. Uh, Never taught in school says I look at my finances twice a week since I got myself out of 34k of debt. Bravo, that is a fantastic achievement. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We had yeah, Tolly one the other week, Tolly Frimpong, who'd played off um paid off 36k of debt. Um uh Kyra says, sounds amazing, like a digital version of envelopes. Yeah, uh, envelope systems, yes, jars, envelopes, uh, and so on. Um Bo Gratitude and Coffee says, the book Atomic Habits is also a good book to read regarding habits. Absolutely, that was the first book I read this year. Changed my life. Um, you're nodding, Matt. have you read
1: it? Um, I bought it, I haven't read it yet, but it's, oh. it's, um, it's one that was recommended to me. So I, I have it in my bookshelf.
0: It's very good, it's very good. You're, if you're into this stuff, you'll love it. Yeah. Okay, cool. So that brings me on to my next question, which is, are there any financial habits present or past, which you could just do without. I saw a really great tweet earlier on today, which was, what would you like to unlearn? I think sometimes you can be so focused on the acquisition of new knowledge and behaviors that sometimes you don't think about the things that we're doing or thinking that aren't actually useful and don't work for us anymore. So if we were to invert the question, what habits could you do without?
1: That's a tricky question. Um... Habits to do without well one thing maybe one thing that i'm not sure if it's necessarily a habit but i mentioned mm-hmm. that i had learned to save as a, as a young child so i learned to save and it was really hammered into me to save to the point where i had this guilt if i spent any amount of money and what happened is when i graduated from undergrad and got a job got some money and and, and as a child as well the age I was growing up, the Nintendo entertainment system was the game system, oh, and lovely. I couldn't have one, I wasn't allowed, so we had a computer, I could use a computer, but I wasn't allowed to have a Nintendo, so I always wanted to have a Nintendo, you know, so I always had this burning thing that I could never have, never had, never got for Christmas, never got one. When I graduated from university, many years later, and I got some money, I bought every game system that was around, I bought, you know, the Sega, the Nintendo, the, the whatever, and I had this, I had this sort of, Need to just buy these things that I wasn't allowed to buy. So it's not exactly answering the question, but it was I had, I had taught a habit of savings that was so extreme that I had to get something out of my system that I made some mistakes that you know, it was, I was a bit foolish with spending money when I, when yeah. I first graduated because I wasn't, I guess I had the, almost like this thrill of buying stuff that I never had experienced. Yeah. When I had money, I just then went and spent it because then yeah. it was like, well, I got money because I don't need, to, you know also when you're young, you think short-term, you don't think long-term. And it's trying to get that, so that habit um, almost defeated itself in a way because it was so strongly ingrained. So yeah. much on the way. Yeah, yeah. That I thought because also as well, I'm saving to be able to spend for this thing. Once i are able to buy that thing, then everything else you don't have to worry about. Whereas the truth is there's all sorts of things I need to think about. I need to save more for because I wasn't given that context of what why is saving important since. And thinking about a bit longer term, so even though I wasn't doing debts, I was just spending all my money and not thinking about what I might need 10 years down the road. So it's having um, that balance, I suppose. So if you learn a habit, make sure it's within context of some kind of bigger picture. Make sure you understand why and what's the point of it. And remember, for life, you're living today, but you're also going to live for a very long period of time that um, you need to... Yeah, it's, like, it's, it's a tricky, no, there's, no, there's no science to it. It's an art form, like how to yeah. enjoy today and enjoy the future. And everyone has to decide for themselves, but there are definite extremes which aren't appropriate. And it's somehow trying to figure that out in as, as a painless way as possible. So it's better to make those mistakes when you're younger than when you're older. So again, didn't really answer the question because I didn't have an exact example no, of it. No, under- t- um, try to t- learn things in context.
0: No, totally, Matt. Um, what you said has actually resonated with people. Um, TB Today has just said that's such a good point. I think it's like kids that are never allowed any sugar. They go crazy when they're let off the leash. And Bo Gratitude and Coffee says, I know at least two people who have saved so much that they have a fear of spending the money. Mm-hmm. Again, they came from a past of scarcity. And when you were telling that story about the video games, going crazy at uni, I was smiling because that's exactly what happened to me. Although um, My poison was the PlayStation 2 and the Xbox 360. When I went to university, I got given the 2000 pound student overdraft, which of course is a huge amount of like buffer. What, when you ever gonna go two grand over? And I I just bought all the games, all the like some of them I used, some of them I didn't. I think you're lucky because back in the day of the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Sega and all that, you had to buy the games physically. I was buying digital downloads of games I never played. Yeah, And I look back at that time now and I'm like, if only I had a stocks and shares ISA and I'd invested all that money, like how much would it be be worth now? But maybe I shouldn't think about stuff like that because you could easily start crying. <laughs> yeah, but there needs to be balance and you need to have a why when you're working towards a goal. Um, like it's a, it's a purpose. It, it needs to have a purpose. That's really cool. Um, and then we focused a lot on um kind of the short term medium term habits saving spending any words to say about uh, the longer term um habits uh you know investing of course being very important even paying off debt paying off debt can be quite a long term thing to do so any thoughts on that
1: yeah so so investing investing is a very it's a very complicated world and it's an intimidating world because whether it's um, big financial scandals or the gyrations of stock markets and just the, the complexity. And something that I, you know, I I, have an MBA, I was an investment banker for a period and there's so much that I'm wary of in the investment world that I don't understand it. Um, I'm nervous about it. It's, and it's definitely not, a lot of these things aren't appropriate for just typical people. Um, not even appropriate for a professional investor. Like there's just so much confusion out there. So my philosophy on investing first of all is first of all it's, a, it's a, such an important concept. As you mentioned, you know, the uh, the compound interest or say a, a rise in market, like there's there's a ability to, ability to generate massive wealth if done well. Um, but also the ability to lose massive wealth as well. So one thing this philosophy that I have is that sort of you have to sort of, you have to learn a habit for investing. So but you have to start with the short term. Again, if you start to think too big and too long, you're gonna get intimidated or you're gonna get burnt and you're gonna then um, you're shy away from it. So we like to look at shopping as an investment asset class. So invest in your shopping. So you start by, again, with hyperjar, we have this concept of if you pay in advance, you can earn this this rate, 5% rate. But think of shopping as an asset class. You start to get a mindset of, I to set aside money, it's gonna grow at a rate higher than the bank account, which actually loses value because of inflation. And you start to learn a discipline around, I want to get as much value for that money as I can, because if I know I'm gonna spend a certain amount on groceries, set it aside and earn that return. Because um, once you start to do that habit, you're then now already in a, a place where you're trying to be net positive, not trying to get any kind of sort of debt. But then once you get that point, I think when you start to delve into longer duration products, so like longer term investments, um, obviously the general there's stocks or bonds, or again, you could have physical assets like a home. And generally speaking, you need a place to live. So typically a home is a good investment because otherwise you're paying rent. And typically, lately anyways, house prices always go up. Um, I'm not a house owner, so it's frustrating for me because I'm always like, house prices going up too high, but um, interest rate policy is always to encourage more house purchases. So yeah. it always seems to go up, but who knows? Um, but typically though, that's a safe thing to do is buy a house, Have to buy two houses, you're not going long in the house market. Is that wise? You know, it depends. You have to be careful. So, but you have to be really simple. Like if you're going to do invest in the stock market, you have to start investing in like a general market-based fund overall. And you have to, don't don't try to be, don't try to time things. You just have to put money into it and you have to let it do its thing because it's impossible to time it. No one knows how to time it and you have to just deal with it. And you have to, that way you have to commit amounts where you're comfortable with, what it might do and again the advice which i think is quite sound is look at a very long time horizon because the markets fluctuate they go up and down but it typically trends upwards over a long enough period of time you know with you know, japan 1990 notwithstanding but for the most part around the world stock markets generally trend upwards but not in the short term so if you have this again, so you have to dip your toe into it and get a bit comfortable and not try to get greedy. That's the one thing that happens is people might tend to get greedy. That's the biggest risk. Overextend. Overextend, or you want to, you want an easy win or an easy gain. And you start to do riskier investments, and that's fine to do. But at that point, you want to make sure you really understand it. You're, you're well educated. You have some good advice. But I think initially you have to start out very conservatively, and you have to try and learn again, learn through experience. And um, but you do. But it's something that the earlier you do it the better off you're going to be. So if you can get, you know, I'm telling my kids about investing and um, if, if you can invest for, invest for your children, if you're able to, like small amounts, five pounds, 10 pounds, and you're in an ISA initially, but that's a great way to set someone up for a future where they're comfortable with investments. If you are older, it's something where, again, hey, it's a good thing to try, try to get a small investment of some sort and, and if you have debt it's another thing where it's a question of do i pay off my debt or do i put money into my investment like it's, it's going to depend on your situation but typically speaking your best investment is to pay off bad debt because yeah. the interest you pay on that is going to hurt you so the first thing is if you're if you're in a discipline to pay off um debt that's going to be the first thing you want to do to get yourself back to that stable position and you can start investing for the future
0: yeah um and on that point um, just to build upon what you said, Warren Buffett, who we quote often on this show um his views on credit cards are that like you should just pay them off as quickly as possible um He says that paying off credit card debt is going to be better than any investing idea that he has, and um some stats the money charity 's latest um monthly newsletter they had a stat which said that the average credit card balance, if you only paid off the minimums, would take almost 25 years to pay off. So pay it off like, as quickly yeah. as you can, it's the lesson there. Yeah, and the interest you would pay on that
1: would be many, many multiples of the actual amount you borrowed originally. Yeah. So it's, it's, and it's surprising, people don't realize how much interest, and that's just all wasted money. That's all money
0: that- Slipping through your fingers. That you've yeah, been investing absolutely. That's really cool. I have really enjoyed this, um, this, uh, this chat and uh, the questions from everyone at home. Special shout out to everyone at home, by the way, warmest day of the year. and We've had lots of uh, people attending this live and lots of questions in the chat. So thank you for choosing to be inside and on your phones rather than outside of the sun. Um, <laughs> we're going to come on to the uh, rapid fire questions. Uh, now, it's a few questions I ask all guests on the show. Um, so to start off with, what has been your biggest financial achievement to date?
1: Uh, biggest financial achievements. I was, it's more of a lucky thing where I was, uh, worked for a startup that did well. And I was given some share options that some turned out to do well. So I guess choosing that job and, (laughs) And it worked out well. This is back in the 2000 dot com boom and not having been affected. I got out safely, let's put it that way.
0: Okay, sweet. I hear that that was a rocky period for, for the people who weren't able to get out of that period safely. It was, yeah. Awesome. What one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago?
1: It would be this is my personal thing, it would be don't be greedy in the stock markets. I did a foray once put trading options and I was up a massive amount. And in the end, I lost it all. So it was a very painful experience where I just saw this gains and I just wanted more. And um, I said, don't be greedy. If you make a gain, cash out. So it's me, me as, a, it. as a trader. So I was like, don't be greedy, lock in your gains
0: and hedge your downside. Yeah. Yeah, sound advice. Um, I read in a, a book by John Kay, it's called um, The Long and Short of It, which was actually recommended to me by my um, soon-to-be brother-in-law. It says that you should have a target annual return in your mind. And if you come across riskier assets, that is actually a call to decrease your allocation towards those assets, not to increase. So if your target is seven, eight, or whatever, you just try and target that amount. But we're getting into quite technical investing. That's, that's great advice,
1: like, that's the concept is like, if it's really risky, do a small amount because you can spend that That's great advice, actually.
0: Yeah. Um, if you were to win the lottery, let's say you were to uh, win 10 million uh, pounds, how would you allocate that money? Oh, again,
1: a really good question
0: because I don't know, just know that the state
1: of the world is very volatile at the moment. Um, I think I'd buy, I mentioned I don't have a house. I'd buy I'd buy a house to buy some property. Um, I'm a farmer. I so grew up as a farmer. I'd buy some farmlands because that can generate cash as well. If you have a cash crop, so some income generating property. And I would probably um, put a portion of it just in the general stock market. Um, I don't think I'd put a whole lot in the stock market though. And a portion in corporate bonds, so in corporate debt. Not too much though, because interest rates will rising and I'd probably look at my wife runs a dance company and probably like invest in her business again, like I believe in real assets. So if someone can generate cash flow through a business, I'd like to invest in that. So if I could help out some entrepreneurs, I think I'd probably enjoy doing that you know, as an entrepreneur myself as well. So because at that point I'd have enough money to live, so help
0: fund other aspiring entrepreneurs. Okay, well, a nice balanced portfolio. A bit of stocks, bit of bonds, property, and some angel investing on top.
1: Yeah.
0: Awesome. A um, couple of questions in. Because uh, c- of unforeseen circumstances, I've joined late. Hoping this has been recorded. Yes, this is going to be recorded, and it'll also be uploaded um, to wherever you get your podcasts as well. Um, Finance Reboot, what's the book's name again? It's called The Long and Short of It, and it's by John Kay. Um, what are your long-term money goals? If you look forward over the next 10 years, where would you like to be? That can include your plans with HyperJar as well. Yeah, so I want so I want HyperJar to be
1: successful. So I've almost invested fully into HyperJar, so personally. So I almost needed to be successful at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Again, my wife has a dance company, so um, that's my backup plan. So my goal is for HyperJar to be successful, um, to, to to have some kind of a financial gain from this um besides being a product that i think can help um help people and I, you know, i'd like to be in a position where i can just comfortably buy a house not have to worry about a mortgage that would be my goal one day to be able to be in that position and i'm pretty simple otherwise you know i'm not um, very materialistic i just want to be able to i have four kids be able to enjoy time with the kids so a bit of free time so if i can have money to not be subject to the nine to five as much that would be nice um, sure. and like I said live more of a farm life again I would enjoy that so yeah just having a bit more money to have a bit more freedom I would say that would be my my main goal so I can enjoy
0: the family a bit more that's cool and I think it's really cool that you're a farmer I think we could have had an entire hour conversation about that because <laughs> um there are a lot of wealthy individuals buying up farmland I was, I'm um, watching a YouTube video about how Bill Gates is one of the biggest landowners in the States and Richard Dyson, um, what one of, if not the wealthiest person in the UK is buying up farmland as well. And I just find that very interesting, especially when you look at like the fact that the world's population is increasing, um, strain on, uh, the strain that like our meat eating diet is placing on, um, the planet as well I think there's a lot of interesting things that will happen with regards to farming and food but absolutely maybe another another day yeah Um, and the final question is what does success mean to you
1: um me success is a sense of contentment that you would have from achieving your goals so for me I always I always have goals for myself and my goals are i've always been very much i don't really care much what the crowd thinks i've always been a bit of a, um, almost rebellious thinker in a way so to speak so it's usually very internal so i have internal goals and if i achieve those goals that's my success and for me like my priorities are hyper hyperjar, which is a business idea that i have so trying to make this vision come to reality and then my family so it's being able to not sacrifice my family for the business, and at the same time be able to pursue what to me is an exciting intellectual and business challenge. So that a success is probably a combination of being able to do both those things and also um, stay active and healthy because you, if, you, if you're not, for me, um, health is such a, such a gift. So if I can keep that, that gift of health whilst um, enjoying family life and pursuing something that's intellectually stimulating, that's a you know, success for me. So to me, it's important to enjoy that journey um, cause there's always, there's always like some goal to aim for, but make sure every day you enjoy it. Um, and honestly, like, so I feel, I feel like I have success right now, even though I'm still trying to strive for things. I always have that sense of, um, I guess I'm at, I'm at peace in many ways in, th- in that way.
0: I love it. I love it. That really resonates with me. Um, now I'm quite early on in my business as well. Um, I'm earning the least I've ever earned in my life. Um, through what I pay myself, but I'm really enjoying it. I get to have really cool conversations, connect with people, make content, and ultimately that's what life's about. And you just want to be able to build it to a point where you can sustain your lifestyle. Absolutely. So uh, I wish you all the best in that.
1: And likewise.
0: That brings us to the end of today's uh, conversation. So is there any, any final remarks from you? Anything you want to plug? Anyone you want to shout out?
1: Um, well, so I just want everyone to know that HyperJar is free, available to download on the App Store. We have a free kids card, and it's going to be a kids app. We think it's going to be the greatest kids app in the country. And um, I'd love for people to check it out. And if anyone has comments, please let me know, because we're rapidly building something that we want to serve the community. And um, otherwise, if my team is on, I just want to thank the team that's helping me at HyperJar, because it's a re- it is a team effort, and we're all really into it. And um, And also, just thank you for... Posting me is really enjoyable chatting. And congratulations, you won that recent awards. Um, Oh, thank you. It's been fantastic. So I think if you keep doing what you're doing, um, you will have that success. And it's uh, important to just, um, as you say, keep building because success happens over time. It's not overnight.
0: Sure thing. Thank you so much, Matt. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. Thank you for sponsoring an episode of the show. Um, It's very kind of you guys. Thank you everyone at home who tuned in um ask questions added to the conversation we'll be back at the same time actually no we have a midweek episode of the mr money show this week so we'll be back on wednesday um if you if you arrived halfway through this episode it'll be saved to my grid and it'll also be saved as a podcast that brings us to the end of the conversation i hope everyone has a great rest of week take care excellent good night bye-bye